Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, an artist experimenting with color and concept to bring his vision to the world. With me today is my friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics, a fellow artist with visions screaming to be released from his mind. He is the Vincent Van Gogh to my Paul Gauguin, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? I actually got that one this time. Yeah. What? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I studied a little bit of GCSE and A-level art back in the day. So, you know, I know my uh, Van Gogh. So yeah, it's all good. Awesome. And uh, also yeah. with us today, we, we actually are not going to have a sponsor acknowledgement because our sponsor is here. Ladies and gentlemen, James Otero from Siege Studios is here in the house. Hello. How are you all? Good. I'm doing great. Yeah, great. Dude, it's uh, great to have you here. Yeah, no, th- big thanks as ever to having me on. Really, really appreciate it a lot. So, uh, what's uh, what's been going on at uh, at Siege, though, James? What's new? What what hasn't been going on? It's uh, it's been um, it's been super busy uh, as ever. Um, things are, have gone a bit crazy over the last sort of, I say, last two quarters. Um, so about four uh, four and a bit months ago, we launched a new brand at Siege. So we launched uh, Warrior Workshop, which is uh, like our tabletop alternative. Um, we, it's a different style. Um, way more airbrushy, less edge highlighting, um, and it's designed more for, for tournament and competitive play and also just people that perhaps prefer an airbrushy style really compared to talk like box art, heavy metal, which is what we've been doing for 10 years or so. Um, so yeah, so it's something a little bit different, but, but as since we launched it, uh, didn't know obviously how it's, how it's going to go down and, um, and yeah, we've like I said whole new demographic of customers perhaps that haven't even used this before and, and a lot of our clients that maybe just want something that they can put on the table for tournaments and not having a cabinet or just something a little bit different stylistically that they like um, that, that gives them a different option with us, which is, is and it's the uptake has been really, really good, like a very short space of time. Uh, that's created a huge recruitment requirement within the company. So uh, I've been recruiting like a madman for the last sort of couple of weeks or so. Um, the siege side is obviously just as busy, so it's still really, really busy. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been busy as ever. So yeah, I'm always running around like a maniac. So yeah. Oh, it's awesome. You know, honestly, it looks been it looks like it's been absolutely crazy for you. Um, I know we've had loads of conversations and about what's been going on, but I thought what a great opportunity to obviously tell uh, you know the listeners what you've been up to. Um, and I saw was it over the weekend you just had one of your things at Bad Moons Cafe, like a tutorial, some workshops. What was going on going on there? Because I saw some yeah. people playing around with some green stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's um, so we, we we obviously teach physical classes all across the UK. Um, and uh, we we had a, a, on the Saturday we had a, a, just an airbrush one day class. So it's a class where you just obviously get people who maybe haven't used an airbrush as much or maybe aren't as as, as sort of knowledgeable with it and get them up to speed on doing various different things with it. So that was a Saturday, uh, and then you're quite right on the on the Sunday we we done uh, the very first um, very first sculpting class. So we've been it's something we wanted to do for quite some time. Um, obviously. With uh, with various members of the team in the custom service uh, character creation brand here at Siege uh, that are able to sculpt green stuff, uh, one of the team uh, very keen to teach classes. So we uh, we we sort of started with our, our first our first sort of venture into sort of like teaching people how to sculpt at a, a very sort of foundation level. Uh, things like skulls, bones, flames, kind of like doing Legion of the Dam models. It's it's something quite nice organic shapes that are instantly recognisable and that people sort of know immediately. There's no sort of like does, doesn't need to be as much as much a forethought before it to just try and get a, a, a complex shape on. It's quite a rudimentary, easily visible and understandable shape. So, so yeah, so that was good. Yeah, they both were really good classes, great bunch of students on both classes. Um, and yeah, really, really good weekend. 
where can people find out about the classes that you've got going on in the UK? Uh, so jump onto the seed shop um, on the website. So we have got a tuition tab, but that's currently under that's currently being um, that's currently being sort of revamped and changed. We're doing some different bits and bobs on there. So just go straight into the shop, uh, select painting classes, uh, and there's other tuition forms on there. So online, uh, we sell PDFs individually as well, and also you can book one-on-one tuition sessions with us. So there's various forms of tuition in the shop. Just click on any of those tabs, select those categories on the drop-down category, and then you can um, uh, and you can just obviously see all the classes and everything we've got going on. No, brilliant. No, love it, mate. Okay, awesome. So obviously, guard her out. What are yeah, you thinking? Are. What are your thoughts? Well, um, other than other than Red Maniacs from Baal, anyone who knows me knows that I, I like a certain 80s action hero uh, inspired army. Um, so, so lots of, lots of uh, aggressive, um, I don't know, naked Rambos running across the table um, are pretty much my, my, my jam when it comes to, Cat- to, to Imperial Guard. Um, I still use the old old kit as well. Uh, you know, it's it's for me the, the, the ridiculously oversized proportions on the models uh, just 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 work. To be honest, when it, it sort of like it's that real sort of um, real sort of uh, nod back to the eighties kind of action films that you, that we just don't have as much anymore. So yeah, they're they're, they're awesome, and uh, and I'm super keen to see what the new the new decks is going to bring for them. Nice. What do you think of the new Rough Rider models? Love them, absolutely love them. I think it's uh, they've been gone for far too long. Uh, there's nothing like charging giant aliens with cavalry. I mean, you know, fair fair chances and all. But yeah, no, no, they're, they're really cool. I think, and um, I think the fact that you can you can have um, have like a, a, I think if memory serves correct, and you, you you guys are the best people to correct me on this, but I think you can have an army of rough riders if memory serves correct. So, um, well, you can so- take you can take three units of rough riders. And there are around 200 points a unit. So you're probably weighing in around 600 points of an army. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a sizable chunk. That's a sizable chunk of Rough Riders. And then obviously, you know, let's be honest, Leonitis, whatever his name is. What Actually, what are your thoughts on that model? The love new, it. Um, the absolutely, new Solar. Yeah, absolutely love it. I think that, look, you know, uh, this, this, this industry and game is nearly 36, 37 years old. And I think that, it's good to to always nod back to to the nostalgia of earlier things and keep things sort of um, in, in the in the the art and the models and the ranges. But it is nice to incorporate new things and, and see a bit of progression as well. I think that is also really important. Um, otherwise, things do do stagnate a little bit. Um, you know, uh, there's been some. You know, a lot of people have, have had some questionable kind of responses to kind of Yarrick being killed off, or and you know, and things like that. And 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 to be honest. Um, I just think it's it's good to to sort of have something new and, and it reinvigorates the range a little bit. It gives different options and, and that's just from a gaming perspective. I mean, as a painter, it's a beautiful model. Um, there's so many awesome little details on it. It really nods to kind of like the the the, the Napoleon kind of like horseback artwork. Um, you know, it's a really cool cool piece, and I think that you're going to see it in competitions. You're going to see people just painting it because it's a really really lovely model. So yeah, I think it's a great 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 little thing. Well, we're definitely going to see it on every single guard army. Because the yeah. rules are just absolutely bonkers for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely going to see him. I mean, I think he's around 170 points. So by the time you've got three units of Rough Riders and him, you know, that's like 770 points of just horses. Um, yeah. That's and brilliant. then obviously we've got the new Kasakin models as well. I mean, for me, they were like, yeah, they're great. Probably like my most uh, favorite models of back in the day, the Kasakin. And when they yeah. brought out Scions, they were kind of cool, but they were never quite Kasakin. And, um yeah what what do you think of those really really good i think it's a great decision to um a great decision to bring the, say bring them back but to, to to give them an updated model um 
I like signs as well. I think signs are great, uh, but I think that the the kind of more chunky, boxy armor that the the Kazakins have got, if you nod back to the metal ones, um, yeah, I think they're great. I, I've always yeah. thought they were the epitome of Stormtrooper. They really were, like for 40k, uh, and and to see them again, but just in plastic with lots of different options, it's just a really nice thing to see. No, it's, it's awesome. Um, and obviously, Dave, we're going to be doing a review with um, Michael about the Guard Codex because Michael is our in-house kind of guard expert. Um, but yeah, really excited to hear what Michael's got to say about the Codex. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Mike is already trying to do everything he can to find a way to um, squeeze as many cavalry into his uh, Telarn um, list as possible. He is all about the cavalry. Yeah, and they're so strong as well. I've seen them on the tabletop and they are no joke. They absolutely destroy anything they touch. Uh, the issue is getting them there, but that is the commander's challenge, I think. Um, yeah, so anyway, we'll head over to that interview now with Michael and you can hear all about Michael's uh, expertise when it comes to guard. And obviously James will be seeing you again at the end of the show for our Battle Ready segment. I'm happy that the Battle Ready segments are back because... Um, I learned so much from you and uh, it's great the fact that, you know, the rest of the listeners can as well. Yeah, no, I'm always, always happy to, to sort of uh, advise or to give advice or to, from, from what I know. Um, yeah, so I've, I'm, thanks for having me back and thanks for letting me do them again. Thanks for coming on. All right, now we'll go over to uh, my interview with Mike when we started doing uh, the first part of the Imperial Guard Codex, Astra Militarum. All right, thanks again, James. Uh, and now, uh, Mike. Let's uh, let's start digging into uh, the new Astra Militarum Codex. Um, since we're gonna do sort of a hybrid episode, and because a lot of people are asking about, you know, all these brand new shiny units, Mike and I talked, um, and we're gonna just start with data sheets this time, and we're gonna go back in time for the next part of this to do the regimental doctrines and the warlord traits and all that fun stuff. So we're just gonna start with with data sheets. So Mike, let's kick us off, man. What's what's the first one we gotta talk about? Well, we've all seen him. Most people seem to have a love-hate relationship with him, uh, but it is none other than the Lord Solar Leontus, who is, of course, brand new to the narrative, brand new model. Um, and I know there was a lot of skepticism about him being an Age of Sigmar model, but I personally, big fan. Don't know what your thoughts are, Dave. Uh, I, well, you know, setting aside just the, the simple question of cavalry, horse-mounted horse um, you know, uh, troops, in the 21st century, let alone the 41st millennium, you know, there's setting aside that I don't see a problem with it. We've already got, you know, the Imperial guard is shown that they don't care about throwing human lives away by the millions. What do they care about horses too? If they can get some horses through cool, if not meh. So, and, and isn't Leontis riding a mechanized horse? Yeah. I believe it's like a cyber horse. I believe it was a horse that like, natural horse at one stage but it's had cybernetic yeah it looks like it's got at least some terminator parts welded onto it or replaced so i I mean i i really don't have an i I have a problem with it it certainly suits the the overall flavor of the Mm -hmm. astro being this large galaxy spanning army of you know humans who are you know all about their you know as much chivalry and, and pomp and circumstance and, yeah. and parade brigade stuff as they are about just smashing their enemies into paste. So I don't have any, I, I really don't have any like strong negative feelings about it. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not an IG player like you are. So I, yeah. I, if somebody puts that down, I'm not going to go lame or anything like that. It, okay, cool. <laughs> Great. Uh, I just remember one person uh, from the feedback was like, this model has put me off playing Imperial Guard. Oh, get over yourself. And I'm, yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, but speaking of pomp, let's talk about uh, Leontus's data sheet. So he's a 12-inch move, uh, weapon skill plus skill 2+, plus, as you'd expect. Um, strength 6 on the get-go, which is pretty strange for your average human. Um, T4, sure he's on a horse. Eight wounds, so he can be lookout sir protected, you might expect. Six attacks, um, only a three-up save. And then we've got his weapons. Now, his pistol, Dave, is two shots, strength eight, AP three, flat three damage. He has the coolest relic pistol in the game. Yeah. And it's not a relic you can put on anybody else. No. But it's, a, but it's that's, that's, I mean, that's going to at least, that has the potential of drilling a couple Terminators off the table per turn, so. Exactly. Um, and it's strength eight. That's tanks you're killing. And 12 inch range for, for, no, no, I think that's a legit profile. Yeah. <laughs> he's packing. Uh, and he's got Conquest, um, which is his sword. Uh, strength uses a six, AP three, flat two damage. Uh, nothing special with that. Right. But I mean, Lord Solar Leontes, as I understand it, he's your um, Morvan Vol. He's your Abaddon. He's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're not really, well, maybe not Abaddon's the wrong comparison. He's your Morvan Vol. He's, he's yeah. a person who can do some in combat, but you really are bringing him to the table for all, everything else he can do, for all of the synergies and exactly. efficiencies he brings for the rest of your army. So uh, what are those exactly? Right. So um, he's got, obviously, the, the normal special rules that uh, we will be explaining in full in, in the next part. But essentially, he has the orders thing. He has to be the warded is essentially what one of those rules means. Um, he doesn't have to have a warlord trait, as you expect with, with Nephilim as it is. Uh, and then he gets um, whatever doctrines or traits you pick for the army, because um, he has the regimental keyword and he's got regimental tactics. Now, he has an artificer, or artificer, uh, refractor helm, four up in one, um, and each time a attack is allocated to him, you half the damage rounding up of that attack. So pretty survivable. We then have the collegiate astralex, uh, now, after your opponent's revealed secondaries, and traditionally you'll do this at the same time, um, you can choose to change one of your secondaries. Um, but if you don't, then you just gain an extra CP in your first command phase. Sorry, during the first command phase of the battle. Um, now, realistically, obviously, on the academy, um, we go through lots of uh, lessons about picking your secondaries. We have regular lessons. Um most of the time, you're usually pretty confident with your secondary pick. Uh, and quite often, I don't think you'll really change it after seeing what your opponent's picked. Right. Um, because I think there's not really enough scope for counterplays and secondaries at, 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 in the current state uh, of the game. I don't know if you'd agree with me there, Dave. Generally speaking, yeah, because you, you, you usually have what secondaries you want your army to play, your list to play in mind before you even walk up to the table. Now, I can see... Maybe at a GT, once out of your five or six games, you go, your opponent, you're expecting him to play aggressive and take, engage on all fronts and, you know, retrieve data. And so you decide that you're going to, you know, counterplay that in some way. And then instead, your opponent picks backfield secondaries like, you know, uh, raise manners and something else. And you're like, oh, I need to, he's going to play this. Maybe I just need to adjust my secondaries and I'll, I'll swap out one of them. So I could see it maybe once in a tournament, but. I'll take the extra CP. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's great to have the extra CP because it lets you spend it on other things like the wall of traits. And there are some great ones that we'll cover um, in a future episode. Uh, so his next rule is Heroic Senior Officer. This is an aura ability. Uh, while a friendly Astra Militarum core unit is within six inches of this model, 
Each time they make an attack, uh, they reroll a hit roll of one and a wound roll of one. Great, exactly like Morven Vile. Yeah, as we've described. Yeah. So fantastic uh, buffing ability there. And Lord Commander Solar is his next ability. So in your command phase, you can select one friendly Astrobotarium core character or battle tank unit within six inches till the start of your next command phase. Each time model in that unit makes an attack, you can reroll the hit rolls. So chapter master rerolls. And then further to that, if it was a core unit, you can reroll the wound roll as well. Oh, okay. All right. Now, um, question. Yes. Um, the battle tank keyword, does that exist on pain blades? No. Thankfully, oh, it does not. <laughs> Thank the dear sweet baby Jesus. That All would right. be, yeah, that would be absurd. However, it does exist on the Rogal Dawn. Okay. Which we will talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is the, the shiny new... The cool tank. Slightly more than main battle tank. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the Lehman Rust Plus. Yes. So, all right. Cool. And then uh, anything else he's got? What's this commanding authority? All right. So this is a section you'll see in the rest of the book on the data sheets, uh, if they're like an officer sort of character. Uh, so they know regimental orders. So Leontus knows regimental orders, perfectus orders, and mechanized orders. In short, regimental orders are like your normal sort of general orders like your normal infantry that kind of thing perfectus is all about actions and, and um you know trying to counter your opponent uh, and then mechanizes your tank orders so he knows all three versions all trees okay uh and in his command phase or in your command phase he can issue up to three orders and they could be of course from different trees different orders all right cool um it's important to note that a single officer can't issue the same order twice in a turn okay um, so uh, yeah, can a single unit benefit from more than one order? No, um, okay. and any subsequent orders immediately overwrite the first order or or the order the previous order. Okay, so you're not stacking up orders on one Rogaldorn tank or on one no. unit of something and having them go ham. No, exactly that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so in addition to the normal units that can be selected for regimental and prefectus orders, um, he can issue orders to infantry officer units and militarum auxilia units so uh ogrins rattlings um psychers and then of course infantry officer normally officers can't issue orders to officers he can um and then in addition yes because i don't care how good of a captain you are when the general says do this you do that exactly exactly that uh and then on top of that uh for mechanized orders uh he can issue them to vehicle officers so tank commanders which normally can't receive orders Mm -hmm. um and super heavy units Oh, so he can't give his chapter master rerolls to a super heavy, but he can give orders to. That's right. Got it. All right. I knew there had to be some way for him to to buff up Bane Blades. I just because yeah. it just seems like Bane Blades and Shadow Swords and all those have been getting a lot of press uh, on Warcom yeah. <laughs> and all those. So, okay. Uh, and that is Lord Solar Leontis. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. So mention- a, a brand new Sorry. Supreme Commander and seems yeah, like a Supreme good- Commander. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so he's a brand new Supreme Commander, so you can put him in Supreme Commander Dispatchment if you wanted to, so you can free up spaces for tank commanders and officers and those other things. Um, cool. Very cool. Anybody else, uh, any other um, notable HQ choices we should look at? Um, yeah, so actually, most of the HQ selections are sort of new, uh, and how they work is new. Um, so this okay. is probably the section that's the most comprehensive um, for new things. We've got Ursula Creed. So... In short, uh, she's got some fancy pistols. Um, when she issues an order, 
you get plus one to the strength of the ranged weapons of the unit that received the order. Okay. Uh, quite good on like Kasakin and that kind of thing. Uh, she lets you use the command reroll stratagem twice per phase instead of only once. Okay. Um, and she's got the senior officer aura ability, which is reroll ones to hit within six inches uh, okay. of her for core. Uh, she's used three orders and she knows regimental orders. Okay. Um, so that's her. And she's got the commandant keyword. Um, you essentially can't have more than one commandant in each uh, detachment. Oh, okay. All right. So that's, that somewhat limits the going too crazy on some of the, yeah. some of the other um, more specialized uh, or, or higher power uh, characters. Yeah. Okay. Exactly that. Uh, that's basically just, that's Creed. Okay. All right. Um, um, oh, quick question. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I actually had two questions, and then one of them just slipped my mind. Um, but since you know the IG um, lore a lot better, what mm-hmm. happened to Lord Solar Macarius? Um, I, was, I was honestly expecting to see him show up in this book. So I believe Lord Solar Macarius died after the Horus Heresy. I don't know for sure. Okay. But I'm sure he, that's, yeah. He was, I mean, I remember when, when I first started playing back in the 90s, he was like, he wasn't a character, but he was in all the lore and they talked about the Macarian sector and they talked yeah. about him overseeing the defense of Armageddon and the other stuff like that. So I was. Wasn't. Yeah, I assume he's died some time back. Um, okay. If, you, if you're interested, um, listeners, go and check out the, the old model because that will give you a better understanding of why Lord Solar Leontus looks how he does. Oh, was there a model for Macarius? Yeah, yeah, there was a model for Macarius. Oh. Um, a long time back, and he had rules as well. Um, but it's quite an ornate model. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember the pictures and stuff of him being, you know, all. Of, I mean, that that talk about pomp and circumstance. He was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, who else? Who else do we need to talk about in the uh, HQ um, section? So there's a Cadian Castellan, which is like a less good version of Creed. But okay. it's uh, But this is an officer that's on their own. It's an independent sort of character officer. Um. There is no like platoon commander. There's no company commander anymore. Um, that's that's gone from the old book. So that's completely changed. Sort of how those guys work. Um, the Castellan issues two orders as well. That's also important to note. Uh, we have a tank commander. I'm going to very briefly touch on this guy. Um, doesn't have a ballistic skill three plus anymore. Uh, this was the big change for this guy. So a ballistic skill four plus. Um, but of course, turret weapons. You get plus one to hit with your turret weapons. Um, so hitting on threes with his turret weapon. Um, but all of his other weapons hitting just the same as a normal Lehman Russ. He is, in effect, just a Lehman Russ that can issue orders. That's basically all, all a tank commander is. Okay. And, of course, a character. Um, I will step in and gripe here that the, that the um, Astromel Terrams Demolisher Cannon is better than the, um, than the Space Marine one. Because the damage is D3 plus three. There, there was a serious um, arms upgrade right after apparently the space marines got their codex yeah so well, there lace, was- lace cannons lace cannon apparently space marines are, are still dealing with old generation weapons whereas everybody else gets the upgraded demolishers and lace cannons yeah yeah well they're just gonna rough suck it up you know yep <laughs> <laughs> um next we've got two data sheets that are kind of the same uh we've got platoon command squad cadian command squad this is really interesting this is a hq option now used to be an elite's choice and it used to just be four guardsmen essentially now you have your commander and you have four guardsmen with him and that is or with her uh, and that is uh, a unit on its own it does get lookout sir because there's at least one model with character in there but you essentially you have this command squad they can issue one order each one's cadian one's just 
normal. Um, you got your Voxcaster to issue orders at range. You got your regimental standard, um, which is now a six-inch or every roll ones to wound. So that's pretty good. Um, and yeah, so you used to take command squads to spam special weapons. That used to be a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you take a command squad for its ability on the battlefield to buff and issue orders to Voxcaster units. Okay. That was the other question I was going to ask you too, was was with regards to orders, do Voxcasters help increase the range in that? And the answer is obviously, I guess, yes. Yeah, but so 24 inches. Like, yeah. it, but it looks like they have to have the Master of Vox. That's right. Yeah, so it, it comes with... So Ursula Creed and and Solar Leontis don't have that, so they're not throwing their orders across the table, but the Platoon Command Squad and the Cadian Command Squad can't. Yeah, so this one's maybe a little bit of a miss um, for me. Uh, other officers can't use Voxes in squads that are nearby. Uh, previously, that's how it used to work, is if you were within like three inches of a Vox caster from a different unit, you could then spread the order using the Vox network. Um, only the Master Vox here can issue Vox network uh, orders. Okay. Yeah, so that's the command squads. Um, we'll come to attaches a bit later. Um, Strachan's still here. Uh, yes. He's... A he's he's a legendary character. I love that that Iron Hand Strachan's still here or Strachan. <laughs> yeah. uh, Primaris Psyker. Um, now it does two psychic powers instead of one. Okay, significant change. Uh, and then we have Gaunt's Ghosts, um, which are actually pretty good. I won't go into all of their rules because they've got six different guys, um, a, about twenty odd wounds, and a bunch of different rules, including a fight last. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, that's Gaunt's Ghosts. Um, as a HQ yeah. choice. I, I only know that that was coming because uh, my friend uh, Red Powell, um, who lives uh, just a mile or two from my house, when he's not, you know, because uh, he's still in the army, so he's stationed elsewhere, but his family lives not too far from me. Um, and he's all about Gaunt's Ghosts and the, um, there's another one that's in the, all the lore. The Cyphus Kane? No, it's the something with a T. The t- t- uh, Tanith? Anyway, it was, yes, the, uh, the Tanith yeah. first and only. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a big fan of the Tanith first and only, so. Yeah, understandable. Um, Gaunt, the commissar, he actually knows regimental and prefectus orders. So there's lots of tactical things you can do with that. All right, cool. Right. Regimental attaches. All right. What is a regimental attache? Okay. So when you're mustering your army, um, you can add an attache to a command squad. Um, but no more than one of each type of attache can go into a command squad. Um, it's deployed as part of the unit. And it essentially functions as another model in the unit. Uh, it's a unit upgrade. Yeah, it's a unit upgrade, essentially. Okay. But you add the model to the unit. Got it. Um, and it increases, obviously, points and, and power level and that kind of thing. Um, you've got a Master of Ordnance who buffs artillery, if you can see the target. Um, Officer of the Fleet who buffs airplanes, if you can see the target. Uh, an Astropath. Now, this is very interesting. That's not a separate unit on its own like it used to be. Astropath is in the book as an attache. Really important, the astropath doesn't have the character keyword, so can't do psychic actions for secondaries. Right, so okay. that's one for you listeners. If you see that happening, you, you know that it can't. Um, but has its own psychic action to get you a command point, which is quite cool. No, oh, okay. Uh, and, and has no like debuff to its casting ability. It casts as a normal psyker. Yeah, but it's a warp charge of seven to get that extra CP. That it is, is yeah. That kind of sucks. Yeah. We then have the bodyguards. Um, so if you have... So all the bodyguards, so basically it's an Ogrim bodyguard or Nork Dead Og. So he's still in the book. Yeah. Um, now, 
they both get this wall of muscle ability, which is minus one damage, which all Ogryn get. Um, they can shoot into combat with their, their ripper gun, etc. Um, but most importantly, um, if an attack targets this model's unit, um, you use this model's toughness characteristic, which is five, um, for all of those attacks, because he kind of stands in the way. Okay. Um, and then each time an attack's allocated to the unit, the bodyguard has to take all of the, the wounds first, including more wounds. Now, does the bodyguard... Can you, you can buy a bodyguard for just for the command squads or for any of the characters? Just the command squads. So okay. all of these attaches, so the... Okay, oh, so the bodyguards team. count as part as also yes, as an yeah. attache. Okay, They're also it. attaches. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, that's, I, it's kind of cool that you can take your command squad and kind of like customize them and kit them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I especially like the Master of Ordnance. I, I, I will admit that um, partly because when I was in the army, I, I did, I was cross-trained as a forward observer, so I was calling in artillery myself. Yeah. And I always liked the idea of having an artillery heavy like I wanted to try out just a mm. bunch of basilisks and a bunch of something else and just doing an artillery heavy list. Um, yeah. Having the master of ordnance as a forward observer is kind of a cool concept. I, I would, I would, if I was playing IG, I would totally lean into that. Yeah, definitely. And there's builds you can do, and we'll discuss that in the next, um, uh, next episode. Yeah. Um, with the, the doctrines you can do. Um, right. Last thing to note, basically, about the attaches, uh, because you've got a model in the unit with Lookout Sir that is under nine wounds, uh, sorry, that is a character. That's under nine wounds, regardless of how many of these people you attach to the unit, they still benefit from lookout, sir. Oh, okay. So the As whole unit benefits from lookout, the current sir. Current core rules, yeah. So you okay. can't shoot the command squad uh, unless it's obviously the, the normal rules for lookout, sir. Yeah. Uh, and that is the HQs. All right. Cool. Uh, how many troops choices? And I mean, this is this book is talking about a a dense list of of units. Yeah. yeah so there's four troops choices. I can just there's like one thing I need to say for each one, basically. Okay, go for um, so it. So your infantry squad's the only way of getting a heavy weapon into your troops' choices. Okay. And this is just your basic troops. You've got Cadian Shock troops that get two special weapons, uh, and they get exploding sixes for LAS weapons. Okay. Uh, you've got Death Corps of Krieg, which have, uh, you can't wound them on anything. You can't wound them on ones or twos, basically. Oh, they, they just have built-in baby transhuman. Exactly that, yeah. Very cool. Um, right. They can take a medic, um, two special weapons. Uh, you have Katachan jungle fighters who have exploding sixes to hit in combat. Nice. But the only special weapons they can take is two flamers. Um, and that's the truth. Yeah, but if you're going to use them, as, is you, do they have any sort of like um, sneak forward or infiltrate rule? Unfortunately not. Oh. They're all sort of, yeah, that's so it. So getting them into combat's going to, you're loading them up into a transport or they're yeah. hoofing it and might maybe someday get there. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. can get like, uh, there are regimental doctrines for forward moves. Um, oh, okay. The game, uh, so you could—that is potential build if you wanted to go uh, mob close combat. Um, those are the troops' choices. Um, obviously, you have different—you have like Katachan keyword or Krieg keyword or Cadian keyword, which do trigger certain stratagems. We'll talk about next time. Um, but the the important keywords here—they've got the platoon keyword, they've got the core keyword. Okay. Yeah. Did they? And and obviously we'll talk about that. But did they bring back the like Ice Core Valhallen guys and the Talarn and or no? No, unfortunately not. Because um, I know you're now, a big Talarn fan, so... I am, yeah. You can build a, an army to have rules that reflect that, um, what's the word, that regiment. Right. Um, but if you want to run loads of the models, either just say that they're all Cadian shock troops or they're all Kriegers, um, or run them as just infantry squads uh, with the infantry squad data sheet. Oh, okay. All right. 
because they don't sell the models anymore. Yeah, that sucks. I I, I kind of dug the um because the Talon guys I saw those right when I got back from the Mid East and I was like, that'd be kind of a cool like yeah sort of Lawrence of Arabia style thing to put together. So yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, did they come out with Death Corps of Creed box sets or is it just the there's the kill team box right? Yeah, so it's the kill team box and you get the squad in there basically. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it's sold cool. out pretty much all the time. Un- yeah, understandably. I'm, yeah, those models are awesome. The the dudes in the gas masks and all that, they look like they look legit. So Yeah. Um all right. Elites. I see I see Sylvester Sil- I mean Slime Arbo's back. Yep, Slime Arbo. Um he yeah. He I mean he infiltrates. Um he's kind of just what Slime Arbo used to be. Um he's a cool choice, obviously a bit of a glass cannon. Um interestingly has the platoon keyword, so he can receive orders from officers, which I'm not sure whether that fits the bill, but hey-ho. Um, and he's got the melter mine and regimental keywords, so he benefits from whatever trait you take. Yeah, I remember he used to have the mine, like, going back to, like, when he first appeared in, like, whatever, fifth edition or whatever it was. Yeah. That's cool. So I also noticed something looking at the model um, when I was just cruising around. Um, it was either Warcom or the GW store page or whatever. And I just yeah. noticed that um, Slime Marbo's model is carrying the exact same gun that um, Sylvester Stallone carries in First Blood Part 2 as Rambo. <laughs> when he starts off the, I mean, he loses the gun pretty quickly early in the movie, but like, that's the gun he starts off the movie with, which, and he's of nice. course got the giant Rambo knife too, so. Yeah, that's a great, it. that's a great. Total attach. 80s callback. Mm. So, anyway, alright, moving on to Elites. Yep. Gasserkin? Now we've got to talk about these. Yeah, there was a there was some chat this morning um, on on our group chat between Kasserkin and um, Scions. So and and the 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 consensus seemed to be that Kasserkin are the way to go now. So we have Kasserkin. Um, these are uh, our new fancy models from the Kill Team box set. Um, you need to know that they come on twenty eight millimeters now. If you don't have the new models uh, and you want to con- you know convert up your old metal collection. Um, these are, as Dave alluded to, um, probably better than Scions. Uh, so we're looking at a three plus ballistic skill, four plus armor save, um, two attacks in combat. Uh, so they're not too shabby there. The Las gun, the hotshot Las gun, has improved. It's now range twenty four, which means it's rapid fire uh, at twelve inches, uh, which is much much better um, than it was previously. Uh, Eighteen inches. We then have uh, four special weapons in the squad. You can take two of any specific one. You'd probably be looking at uh, maybe two plasma guns, two hotshot volley guns, um, or you know two melter guns. You can take a sniper in addition to that. Then um, you could take a melter mine that gives you the melter mine keyword, a vox caster, and you can obviously change your sergeant's uh, weapons. The Kasakin are special in that in addition to the two doctrines you pick for your army, or... If you chose born soldiers, you could just keep born soldiers. Born soldiers, and we'll talk about that um, in the future. Uh, you can choose one doctrine from the pages that no other unit in your army has, and they get that doctrine in addition to everything else it has. So, what that means is, of course, if you have more than one Kasakin unit, they each would have to have a different doctrine. Right. But there's some really cool combos you can stack with this, Dave. All right, cool. I was, I, I, I got to say, the hotshot marksman rifle. Is not too shabby. I mean, it's only strength four, but neg two AP, flat three damage. 
That's better than a lot of other sniper rifles in the game. And it does a mortal wound. Like most sniper weapons, it ignores lookout, sir, and it does a mortal wound, an additional mortal wound on a wound roll of six. That's not bad. Think, and I'm guessing it's yeah. what, 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 one point upgrade or something or two point? Well, the unit itself is 100 points all in. As Including special weapons. Including special weapons. and the Wow. So why wouldn't you upgrade? That's pretty good. You'd take it, right? You'd definitely yeah. take it. Yeah. Oh, what's the profile like for grenade launchers in this codex? Uh, ex- exactly the same as it was in the previous one. Um, so you can fire a uh, frag. Let me just pull that frag up. Frag strength three still and the crack is strength six or something. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly the same as it was previously. Okay. Strength six AP one D three for the crack, but twenty four inch range. All right. Um, nothing special, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, grenade, grenade launchers are just continuing to get the short end of the stick in forty k. They're they're in real life. They're a much better weapon. <laughs> so speaking from personal experience. Um, okay. So uh, what else? What other elites choices we got? Sergeant Harker's back. I see. Sergeant Harker is somehow still kicking after. Uh, Killing that Ravener unarmed. Yeah. Um, so that's a story to look up if you don't know it. Uh, so he can issue an order, but it can only go to catch and jungle fighters. Um, okay. And it can only spread to them as well. And he can never be the warlord. And then you can select one catch and unit in your army, uh, and they can reroll hits. Um, when you choose them at the start of the battle, and they can reroll hits of one because you've taken Harker. Right. Cool. Very cool. All right. Um, uh, there's a preacher, kind of does priest stuff. We've got an engine yeah. seer. Um, we do have to talk about the commissar. Okay. Yeah, uh, engine seer repairs your tanks. Yeah. So uh, he also gives them a five up invul, so you can give one vehicle oh, okay. a five plus invulnerable save. Um, which is oh, and it says vehicle model, so that means um, a bane blades. Great. Yes, you could give a bane blade a five invulnerable save. All right. Cool. Uh, all right. Let's talk about commissars. What's, yeah, commissars. What's the, what's the deal? Uh, these guys, obviously, you never used to see them because they were rubbish, frankly. Uh, now, they can give out orders. So they know Perfectus orders, and um, they can issue Which one order. Which you said order. had to do with doing actions and stuff. Exactly, yes. yeah. So um, there's actions you can deny, like where you can drop for deep strike with them. Um, you can fall back and, and shoot. Uh, so they're all about being able to do things that are maybe normally outside the normal rules of the game. Uh, and they can issue orders to infantry officers, which makes sense because they're a commissar, essentially, political officer. Um, and they can issue orders to abhuman units like Ogryn, or I guess if you really wanted, Ratlings. All right. Um, Do they still have their, um, you, you, you pop somebody in the back of the head if, you, if they try to break? Yeah, but it's much better now. Uh, so once per turn, if a, so only once per turn, bear in mind, so he's not like, um, God, what's that film called where they bend the bullets? Oh, uh, Wanted. Wanted, yeah. So he's not yeah. doing that to uh, your, your core unit. So one, one unit, if they fail morale, um, then you use this ability and they auto-pass combat attrition. Yeah. So you still only lose the one unit, one, one model to morale, um, but we assume he's executed them instead of them running away. Um, and then you can take up a free slot if you've got a commandant or command squad uh, with this okay. guy. Uh, Ogryn's got a bit of a glow-up. Um, mentioned it already, but Wall of Muscle gives them minus one damage, uh, and they can shoot into the combat they're engaged in. Right, because they got those those super short range shotguns, yeah, Ripper guns. That I, that it makes to me absolute sense that they should be able to shoot point blank into into combat that they're in. That's I think that's yeah, great. Exactly, exactly. And they're not bad. Were they always five 
Strength five, neg two AP, two damage. Rubber uh, guns? No, no. That was that's it, part of the glow up too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ripper guns yeah. much better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah way better. Yeah, uh, and they get AP one in combat as well, which is nice uh, as an aside. Um, yeah, four attacks on a base Ogryn as well is a lot. Uh, they yeah, used to get plus one on the charge, I believe. Um, and they hit on threes in combat, so not bad, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I'd 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 roll with at least one squad of them just as a counter charge unit or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there's Bulgrins, which is of course are more melee orientated. Uh, I say with um, quotation marks. Uh, we have the option between a, a four up in one and a two plus say. This is the same as it was before, basically. Um, but again, with minus one damage, uh, a two up save and three wounds each, uh, they can become quite annoying to shift the Bulgrin Maul unfortunately has stayed pretty much as I say unfortunately I think it's fine as it is is strength 7 in combat AP 1 2 damage it's a melee autocannon that's right and we know how much we love autocannons this game <laughs> um, so but I mean I can see where you could have a unit of Bulgrins following along as a lookout sir shield for one of your characters mm-hmm. and there are ways to buff these um, but we can talk about that next time but there's some Strange combos where if you can issue orders to certain people, you can get uh, combos you wouldn't normally expect. Okay. Uh, Rattlings are back and look to be generally useless. Well, I mean, it's 50 points for Rattling Squad. You probably might stick one in there. So now they can set up anywhere that's nine inches away from the enemy deployment zone and enemy models. It used to be 18 away from, which may as well be in your deployment zone. Um, Right. So if you need like a... A, a really cheap screening unit. Rattlings is probably a go-to. All right. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I wouldn't expect them to do any damage or, or anything like that. I think they're they're a technical piece, maybe move blocking or, or infiltrating. Yeah, with with their sniper rifles being heavy, one strength four AP, one one damage. Meh. Yeah. And there's what five, five of them come in a squad. So I mean, at ten points a pop, yeah. What are you expecting? But yeah. <clears throat> still, yeah. I've also never under, quite understood the idea of, hey, these guys are, we're going to give these guys uh, infiltrate or, or, you know, something sneaky to get them forward. And they have really long range guns. Mm. That's counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, snipers, usually you would want someplace, you know, further back. Yeah. But what do I know? Not every unit can be, you know, no. absolutely well, amazing. I was going to say, like, you know, you, you snipers usually want to be either somewhere high or, as you say, somewhere long away with a great field of vision. But, in, in 40k right. we don't always have really high viewpoints and things do we so yeah yeah snipers are one of those things that maybe need some sort of yeah a second look in 10th edition or yeah. something or, or in Definitely. 9.5 or whatever uh but on the next page i do believe it's your unit mike it's my unit it's my favorite yeah. unit in the entire book tell us about it tell so us the story this is the attila and rough riders I've had these on the shelf for six years since they moved to Legends. Um, and I've got 20. Uh, so I am so glad these are back. Um, so if you're coming to LVO, mm-hmm. get ready to get run down by cavalry. I'm going to bring them if, if we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they do not play around. Let's, uh, let's go into some of that. So 12-inch move. So they're rapid. Um, hitting on threes in combat, which is relatively rare for guard. Uh, so quite reliable combat hitting. Strength four. Okay, we'll come to that later. Toughness four, not bad. 
two attacks each and two wounds each. Okay. Uh, four plus armor save. So it's nice they've okay. got a better save than like a normal infantryman. Yeah. Right. Weapons. Now, base, you have a hunting lance. Now, before you select targets, you can select one of the profiles to use. You can use a frag tip. Uh, this is strength user, AP1, one damage. Each time an attack's made with this weapon, a successful hit roll scores two additional hits. That's not even on sixes. If you hit, you get two additional hits. One horseman can hit four times with this relatively reliably. Nice. Uh, and you're rolling a squad. Are you, are you going to play these in the units of five or ten? So I'm probably, just because I want to use them all, probably one unit of ten, two of five, um, obviously subject okay. to the rule of three. Uh, so yeah, two of five, I think it's a good sort of trading piece, as we call it, um, that can go and dig yourself out of uh, a combat situation that you're in. Um, but they're probably not going to survive much on the charge or shooting backwards. Right. Okay. Uh, the melter tip, though, Dave. Oof. This is strength plus two, AP four, flat three damage. So a squad of 10 guys is coming in with 10 strength six, neg four, flat three damage. It gets better. Melee attacks. If this unit charges, they get plus two to their strength characteristic. So it becomes a melter charge. Yes. Awesome. And as long as you, which I know you as a highly capable um, player would, um, maneuver correctly to avoid Overwatch, this will run down those pesky Zinch Flamers mm -hmm. all day, every day. Yes. In fact, love it. It probably runs down most things. Yeah. Um, if you've got enough of them. Yeah. Um, which leads me to my next thing about these guys. One per five can have this thing called a Goad Lance. Now, this is strength plus two, so it's going to hit at strength, six, uh, strength eight when you get into combat. AP3, two damage. Each successful hit roll scores an additional hit. So a bit like the frag lances, but slightly worse. So um, if you hit twice, you get four hits. And each time an attack is allocated to a vehicle model, um, that model's unit suffers one more wound in addition to any normal damage. So let's say you hit four times, then you wound four times, that's four mortal wounds to a vehicle in addition to being AP3, two damage. Wow, nice. Uh, but you do have to wound with it because that's when you allocate the attack. Um, and I have played this incorrectly previously on a stream, which you might have noticed. But yeah, you have to wound with it, but then you do more wounds. This is fantastic into something like a knight. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy good. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. All right, and then the, okay, the scything momentum is your plus two strength. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, oh, and they ignore all modifiers to move, advance, and charge rolls. Fantastic. So I'm not using my repulsor fields to stop you from charging my crisis suits. Nope. Nice. Because it doesn't work on horses, clearly, Dave. Right. Physics doesn't matter yes. to horses. Physics don't matter to, to uh, several hundred pounds of charging horse. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, so let's um, talk about some keywords here. Now, I forgot to mention Bulgrins, Ogrins, they don't have the core keyword. Kasakin do have the core keyword. Rough Riders also have the core keyword. Rough Riders also have the platoon keyword. Uh, so you can issue regimental orders to them. Or perfectus orders. All right. The only trick you're going to have there is trying to keep up with the Rough Riders to be able to give them Yes. Thankfully, orders. there's a very famous character on a horse, Dave. Um, there, there, I believe there was at least one character you might throw up there with a horse. I got that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I can, I can just hear the... It, it just I can hear Smithers 
in your in your mind, Mike. It, it, but obviously with a slightly more British accent, going excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, love them horses. I think they're great, fantastic unit. All right, we now move on to uh, Sentinels. All right. So um, the Scout one can infiltrate, uh, set up nine inches away from the enemy. Uh, the armored right. ones, uh, they're higher toughness, better armor save, uh, and they get plus one save there uh, against damage one. Um, they're on much bigger bases now, like much bigger. Um, okay. But the, the most important thing about these guys is their core. They have platoon keyword and squadron keyword. So you can issue either regimental perfectors or um, mechan- uh, mechanized orders to them. So they're really quite a flexible unit. Okay. All right. You think that Sentinels are going to be something that a lot of people are going to feel? It's one of those things that's going to be fairly common to see. I think they're they're pretty good. Um, there's some real good stratagem support for them uh, because they're core. You can give them full rerolls to hit and wound from Leontus. So if you pack them with weapons, hunt and killer missiles, um, you can get a lot out of them uh, in the first turn uh, of the game. So I think uh, yeah, there's definitely play. Uh, if they weren't in the fast attack choice slot along with the horses, I probably would run more. Okay. Yeah, Hellhound hasn't right. really changed much, um, but it is now one data sheet. So all the different weapons roll in. They're all just a Hellhound. Uh, and when you take the unit, you can only take one. There's no like one to three anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that Hellhounds, and you're taking Sentinels in squads of what, three? Yeah, one to three still, um, but Sentinels stay together. Um, Oh, okay. Previously, They're not splitting up like like Helverins and yeah, exactly that. Yeah, previously okay. Hellhounds used to be like that, but uh, not anymore. All right. Okay. So probably not going to see Hellhounds too terribly much. Unfortunately, not. I don't think. Yeah. And now we move to the part you've all been waiting for: heavy support and the Rogel Dorn battle tank. Yeah. Here it is. Clocking in. How big is it? Have you? Oh, they haven't released the model yet, have they? No, but they've done scale photos of it next to a Lehman Russ. Oh, okay. It's big. So, you, so if you you can look online and see that it's 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 almost is it exactly almost halfway between the size of a Lehman Russ and a Baneblade? Yes, I would say if you're familiar with the Forge World Macarius line of tanks, it's pretty similar in size. I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was actually having a conversation with um with Major Powell. Um, he and I were texting about because he's a tank officer right. in the U.S. Army. And so we were talking about the logistics of how many crewmen you could realistically fit inside of a Lehman Russ versus a Rogaldorn. He's like, yeah, the Rogaldorn, he's like, it makes way more sense. It's a much, much more realistic tank. And yeah, yeah. so he's, he's all about it. And it gets the, the thumbs up of realism uh, from an actual tank officer. So that's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, I always like seeing new models across the table from me, even if I'm going to get run over by them. Yeah. So. It is a it is a cool looking model. Other than the the one schmucks who rides on the back of the turret, hanging out on the little like gunner platform, standing out there. Yeah, I mean that I've, has been a thing in. I feel bad for that dude in history, hasn't it? But I don't think that's a uh, a modern thing anymore. Um, it, no, no, no. I think that might have been a World War One thing, yeah. maybe when tanks were still brand new. But um, all right, so there's a couple of different gun options on the Rogaldorn. Mm-hmm. There's the Castigator bat, a Gatling cannon. Um, there's the uh, what is it? The oh, the Oppressor cannon. Oppressor cannon. Um, yeah, and then the the twin battle cannon. So uh, I yeah. I take it by your comment that the the Oppressor cannon is, has your love and attention. Um, I like it. It's range ninety, D six plus three shot, strength ten, AP three, flat four damage. I mean. 
So yeah, it's why wouldn't it's pretty you love good. that? Um, I've never really been a huge fan of the idea of a twin battle cannon anyway. Um, I don't know what your tank officer guy thinks about it, but... Uh... I, I actually haven't asked him about the weapons yet, but, <laughs> um, you know, uh, he's a regular on the Forge Narrative podcast, guys, uh, with Paul Murphy and, and them. Uh, so if you want to, some Australian guy too. So if you, I'm sure... Red will have some comments on an upcoming episode, so mm. uh, check them mm. out. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm just game mechanics. Um, the twin battle cannon is heavy two d six and seventy two inch range. The oppressor cannon is heavy d six plus three and ninety inch range. I'd prefer to just know that I'm going to definitely get at least four shots. Yeah, exactly. At a slightly better weapon profile, ten neg three four versus eight neg yeah. three three. Yeah, why wouldn't you take the oppressor cannon? Um, and then the castigator, but Gatling cannon is only going to see the tabletop if a horde meta ever rematerializes. Yeah, the good thing like about if, the the Gatling cannon is that you can use it while you're engaged um, against the target that's in front of you. Uh, whereas, oh yeah, because it doesn't have blast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the pulverizer cannon, which is like a mini demolisher, uh, is blast. So it's one or the other. Um, oh, okay. I should also mention if you don't already know out there. Um, that a turret weapon can be fired even if you're in engagement range, um, but you have to shoot it at someone that is not the guy who's in engagement range of you, and it's minus one to hit with it because it's a heavy weapon. Got it. Um, oh, the Castigator Gatling Cannon is not a turret weapon. No. I thought no. it was. Oh, so it's a hull-mounted. Uh, it's hull-mounted, yeah, okay. Like the, so the only yeah. turret, the turret weapons are the Oppressor and That's the Twin right. Battle Cannon, right. and then you can, and you can do the Coaxial Auto Cannon mm-hmm. for a couple extra shots that also would go in the turret. Yeah. So, all right. Oh, is there any other highlights on this model that on this data sheet that people should yes. be aware of? It's toughness nine. <laughs> it's got seventeen wounds, and um, it's got a two up save like most of the the heavy tanks in this this book. Um, and if it does blow up, you're taking d six more wounds. It's it's good. I like it. Um, it comes yeah. inbuilt with the armored tracks rule, which is plus one save against damage one. Um, Okay. Which is a nice way of reflecting how small arms fire shouldn't really work on tanks. I quite like that introduction there. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one no one's using a an M4 to take down a Soviet T72 tank. No. Um so. important All right. important keyword. It does have the squadron keyword, so it can take mechanized orders. Very cool. All right. So yeah, so there's now how many here's a question. How many points is it? Uh I believe it's two hundred and fifty base. Oh, uh, also mentioned you go, you only take one. You don't take a squadron of one to three and split them. It's just the one guy. I should hope not. Uh, yeah, two fifty base. Um, that includes the turret weapon choice and the hull mounted weapon choice, and the auto cannon. Um, but if you want to take extra heavy bolters on the sponsons, or you want to take uh, the sort of nipple mounted melter guns, um, then that costs you extra points. Okay, but overall, so at two hundred and fifty points, are people going to be fielding three of these, or this is going to be a here's my one Rogel Dorn, and here's several other Lehman Russes. So what I'm expecting is probably one. Um, so from a list building perspective, I'd probably look at one and then some Lehman Russes. Um, okay. This guy's great. So Leontes can give them rerolls. It's probably the best thing you can give rerolls to hit to is a Rogel Dawn tank. Well, yeah. Um, but having more than one wouldn't quite have as much efficiency point-wise. Right. Yeah, if you're relying on the rerolls for the efficiency, then yeah, obviously just one should do it. Yeah. All right. Any other... Um... What are the other heavy support choices that people should be aware of? Um, so we've got the new one, the field ordnance battery. Um, 
this one's a really sad one in my opinion because I'd really like the model. Uh but it doesn't have the cool Yeah, the model words. looks cool when they when they when they previewed that yeah. new box set, it looked cool. Yeah. But it's not got the core keyword. Um it's got platoons, you can issue it, uh, regimental and perfectors orders. Um but I have looked and there are no stratagems that actually work on the unit. None. Ouch. Uh wow. which if you ask me is a, a bit bit of a miss. Uh, the bases are absolutely enormous, so you're not really going to be able to hide them either. Um, and if you look at their toughness... Talk about going to the dance and not having a date. You don't get core and you don't get any stratagem support. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad, really, because I really, really like the models. But there we go. T4, four up save, six wounds. I don't think it's sitting around very long. No. Uh, no, not if I can help it. Big shame. Yeah. All right. Um, so cool model, but we'll have to... Mm-hmm. Wait another four to six years for it to get some better work. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Um, Russes. Lehman Russi. Uh, yeah, Russes. Uh, there's a few updates to some of the weapons. I'm not going to go through all of them, um, but they've all gotten better. Uh, top pick would be, for me, the plasma cannon. Um, you can take these in one to three. So you could take three okay. Russes in one slot, and then they'd split to different units. Um, and then there's a bunch of vehicle options, which actually do something uh, for them here. So dozer blades and armored tracks. I was going to say, does the dozer blade actually do something now? Um, yes, you ignore move characteristic, advance, and charge roll modifiers. Oh, uh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and you get a keyword. So you can just barrel right through craters and dense yeah. terrain. See those trees? Right. I'm just going to drive through them. Right. Cool. Um, the Basilisk. This guy's had a glow up. Strength 10 AP3, flat 2 damage. I think you'll agree D3 damage is silly. Um, it's yes. D6 plus 3 shots now on the cannon. Which is... Totally valid. All right, you're getting four to nine shots off. That's 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 fine. Yeah, uh, and it's got the squadron keyword, um, so you can take mechanized orders. Basically, all of the heavy support slots here have got the squadron keyword. Any vehicle in the codex pretty much has a squadron keyword, except for the characters like the tank officer um, or any super heavies. Okay, uh, you've got the Hydra. Um, it's had a glow up. Uh, I won't go into too much detail. Uh, there's a great strat uh, for shooting flies with it. The Manticores pretty much stayed the same um, but it only gets D6 plus 3 shots with its weapon uh, its missiles and of course it only gets 4 of them uh, Wyvern uh, again similar situation pretty much the same as it was in the previous book however the gun's now strength 5 AP1 but doesn't reroll wounds like it used to alright was the Wyvern good against aircraft 2 or is that just the Hydra? just the Hydra the Wyvern is the mortar tank uh, so it fires oh, 4 okay. mortars basically that's right, um, but unfortunately, right. still not quite. Is the is the Hydra going to you think going to be ubiquitous enough that it's going to chase away the the Tau flyers and? Um, I don't think. Uh, I think the issue is that because they take up one heavy support slot, and because all of the so all of these tanks I'm just talking about now, the artillery tanks, um, you only take one. It's not one to three. Uh, so if you want to take multiple basilisks, you're going to take up multiple ba- uh, heavy support slots, and you're probably right. not going to have a high enough priority for a Hydra. Um, to fit it into your battalion. All right. So unless unless bombers really mm-hmm. take over or something happens with the the um, Necron croissants, <laughs> the flying croissants. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, again, it's probably not worth the payoff. Like you'll have that bad matchup and and deal with it. Um, they're cool though. I think they've got they've got uh, good rules and and the main weapon is a turret weapon, so you get a bonus to hit with it. Okay. All right, now big question for you. Mm-hmm. The Death Strike. Oh, right. Legit unit choice or meme? 
So I think it's a meme. Now, as of recording this, it's sold out online. <laughs> um, so what a death strike does essentially is during, after you've seen your opponent's army list, you can pick one of three different missiles. Um, one of them is a three-inch range, but it can do a potentially 16 mortal wounds to a target. Okay, And that's anything within okay. three inches of that marker. Uh, another one is uh, D3 plus six inch range, so quite a bit more, um, but it's D3 plus one mortal wounds, um, and then to a maximum of uh, D3 plus three mortal wounds. And then you've got the Vortex Warhead, which is a bit of a throwback. Um, this one is D3 plus three inch range. Um, it's D3 mortal wounds or D3 plus one, and then the max here is two D3 mortal wounds. However, on a one to three, you remove the marker afterwards. Otherwise, it stays there because it's created a vortex. Now, I don't know, Dave, if you remember the old metal vortex markers that used to exist. Uh, I remember I remember the little cardboard thing, the little glowing blue circle that from one. vortex grenades back when second edition. Yep. Yeah. It's back for this missile, which is hilarious. Um, but then yeah. you roll again after each sub- subsequent turn on a four plus, it disappears. Now, um, it's an action to place the marker, okay? Um, and then you can shoot. You can basically activate the marker in a future turn. Um, so turn one, you can't fire this. You're going to have to place it somewhere. Um, you can, in your second turn, instead of firing it, move the marker as the action. Okay, so you could, okay. you could keep moving the marker. Um, and yes, there's sort of mind games you can play with this. Um, you could put it on a objective um, and you could try and make your opponent not be on the objective or maybe you could put it into a significant terrain piece. So for example, if Dave here wants to hide and fire and fade his crisis team into a specific ruin, I could put a potential 16 mortal wounds marker in that ruin. You're probably not moving them, fire and fading them back into the ruin if there's... Right. 16 more. Just fire and fade them in another direction, though. Exactly. Probably. Exactly right. And and that comes to the issue with this. Um, It's a one use only. So once you've used the missile, it's gone and it's useless. Um, Moving the markers uh, is an action. And you cannot do this while you're in engagement range of an enemy unit. So if you do tag this tank, it's basically not doing anything except firing them wherever the marker happens to be. Um, All right. It's quite easy to avoid. um, And frankly, uh, if you just put a transport where the marker is, if it's on an objective marker, and take the hit, I think you'll be okay. Yeah. All right. I may not have sold that to people, but uh, the point is, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's one of those things that everybody will see at a at a GT mm-hmm. once, um, and it'll it'll go you know three and two or two and three because yeah. people will be like, wait, how do I deal with this again? Yeah. And someone will catch people out with it but generally speaking it's not going to be the, the strategy that no. wins events either no. and it's 160 points so it's quite expensive yeah so fielding three of those to suck up your heavy support choices is probably not the most efficient no. life choice sadly not um all right and then you got two we got two dedicated transports the chimera's back the tarox is back yeah these guys do have the squadron keyword they can take orders which might surprise you but yeah otherwise they're pretty much the same as they were um Valkyries are back. Well, Valkyries are back. Uh, they still do the same thing where they can move and you can get out during their move. Um, they have a base ballistic skill of 3+, plus, so they're a bit better at shooting. Uh, and if you jump out after it's moved, then you can still die. But if you're Militarum Tempestus, 
you you can't die. Um, you just get to set up. Uh, okay. It's quite cool. Yeah. I got to say, now, this is the thing that I think is going to probably be a sleeper in this codex because, you know, most people just skip right over fortifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Aegis defense line has some serious play. I think the Aegis defense line is as a fortification is something that people should not sleep on. And I think people are just going to ignore it, but they're not going to want to throw this few side points into it. But I mean, it's good. I mean, I agree. It's good. It, 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 it gives light cover, heavy cover and defensible while a model receiving the benefits of range cover from it. Um, it basically gives um, armor of contempt to anybody who's hiding inside of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have any sort of static, it's basically, you can use it as a, as a pointed upgrade essentially Yeah. to some unit. You're going to keep static. You're not going to use it for your Rogel Dorn or your Lehman Ross, anything you're going to move forward. Certainly not your Attilan Rough Riders, but if you're going to put out a Basilisk or you're going to put out a field artillery battery or something, something that's going to sit back and can comfortably sit inside, but you don't want to put it, in ruins, or you want to put it like out in the middle of all God and creation, stick it inside an Aegis defense line and on a point, and you can. I think it's a valid upgrade. I, I, I think I, it's cool. What I will add is that the vehicles aren't going to benefit from it because um, it's still light cover, heavy cover, as per the cool rules. It's still only going to be infantry, uh, beasts, swarms. Oh, right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because it's not got yeah. dents. If it had dents, then that would be incredibly powerful. Oh yeah, it's got defensible but not dense. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, um, but it is still fantastic for your infantry. Um, I'd yeah. even argue your horseman could hide behind it. Uh, your horseman can't move through it because it's a defense line. And it doesn't have breachable. I mean, cavalry can't use breachable anyway. You get my point. It's a defense line. It is in the way. Right. Um, but you can heavy covers great. You know, you know, Bulgrin behind this thing could be incredibly hard to shift. Incredibly hard yeah. to shift because they've even got heavy cover. Um, so if you charge them, they get plus one to their save. Um, and then, yeah, range attack, reduce the AP. Imagine your ballroom with a two-up save behind this thing. Pretty hard to shift. Yeah. Or stick a heavy weapon squad in it yeah. and give them mortars or blaze cannons or something. Yep. So, all right, cool. Um, and then uh, that's it. End of the book. Let's go home. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. no. I mean, there isn't too not. much to say. What I will say is that uh, me and Jake did a member's content about the best super heavy tank. So we're not going to cover them in depth here. Um, you can become a member. It's really, really quite quite a deal. Uh, and check out all of our members' content on YouTube. These are all pretty good. Uh, the worst one is unfortunately the Shadow Sword because it doesn't ignore invulnerable saves or anything. Which, it, let's be fair, it should. It, I mean, it's 12 damage. It's the biggest gun in the book, but it doesn't ignore right. invulns, whereas a Lehman Ross Vanquisher does ignore invulns. Yeah. It is strength uh, 18. An AP neg five. Yes. But an heavy D three plus three. Yeah. I mean, and I love my, I love my rail guns, but yeah, yeah. the volcano cannon. You, know, you should... fire this at someone and they transhuman and they have an invun. Suddenly you don't even kill one model. Right. Um, what I will say for all of them, uh, their main weapon is a turret weapon, regardless of whether it's actually mounted on a, what, what you might consider a turret. They do all have to have the sponson, the first set of sponsons. Um, but it's not 100% clear whether you pay for that yet or not. Uh, my assumption is you do because it's listed as a war gear item in the, the points section. Uh, my topic okay. is the Bane Blade. Um, okay. But that just about covers... Yeah, and there's... Yeah. 
I never realized that there was eight different super heavy versions yeah. of the Bane Blade. Yeah. There's eight variants. So that's, I remember when the Bane Blade was, you know, a Forge World only. It was a one-off. Yeah. You couldn't get it. And then the plastic <laughs> kit came out um, years ago. I guess the last thing to say is it's toughness nine. Um, it has 30 wounds. Uh, and it's got to two up safe. Uh, they're hard to shift. Uh, we've got a stream game, in fact, uh, with a Bane Blade in it. So you'll be able to see just how hard to shift it is. Uh, granted, we do play that game with Armour of Contempt, which is not necessarily confirmed for the guard. Right. So, all right. And then um, at the very end is where um, the Militarum Tempestus have their command squad mm-hmm. and their regular squad, Scion squads, yep. and then the Tarox Prime. So, um, Yeah, no regimental keyword for these, so they don't get your army doctrine bonus. Um, they do get exploding sixes to hit. Can they still deep strike within three inches of you? Uh, no. They can deep strike, okay. but of course they've lost all of the individual Scion regiments uh, that existed in um, the Great Good Psychic Awakening book. Um, so unfortunately okay. they've lost quite a bit of flavor in this book. Yeah. Because that was, I mean, that was always for me was the biggest thing was the fact that they could deep strike closer than nine inches and get yeah. up in your face if they wanted to. Yeah. So the good thing is that their las guns are now twenty four inch range. So if they do deep strike, they do actually at least have rapid fire in range. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not even as a tau player. I'm not super quaky about strength three, AP two, damage one weapons. Yeah. Well, when we get to the strat yeah. section, there is a way we can uh, start making that terrifying. Got it. All right. Cool. But for now, we've covered all the data sheets. Uh, I hope this was informative for everybody listening. Um, now we have to move on with um, the rest of our day. Um, Mike's got, I think, a stream game to get ready for. I do indeed, yeah. You do. And I have uh, other lawyer things I got to go do. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening as always. Uh, Don't forget to check us out on social media. Look us up. And uh, don't forget to join the Competitive 40K Podcast Community Facebook page. Uh, The password this month, don't forget, is Avatar. And uh, with that... um, yeah, I think that's it. Everybody, I hope everybody has a great week. We will be back. Mike and I will be back uh, sooner, ho- hopefully rather than later, to finish up and talk about the first part of the Codex. And uh, until then, this is Dave Colmel for Stephen Box, for Michael Costello, for James Otero, and all of Vanguard Tactics, saying, It is good to love many things, for therein lies the true strength. And whosoever loves much, performs much, and can accomplish much, and what is done in love is well done. Have a great week.